Nick, how good a dancer are you? Do you like dancing? I like dancing okay. I'm I, I'm like a weddings and special events kind of dancer. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, you know, I as we've talked about in the podcast, I like to DJ like dance music. So mm-hmm. I, I can dance a little bit. I don't love it, but I like it just fine. It's better when I've got two whiskeys in me. I was just going to say, what does it take to get you on the dance floor? Like my husband, for example, sober, goes out first, tries to get everyone to go out and dance, doesn't care, self-deprecating, whatever, doesn't worry about it. I have to be pretty inebriated to go out and dance. And when I do, I'm really bad at it. Well, good for Bill. That's the way to live your life. Do what you want to do. Have fun. Yeah, good for him. Um, Yeah, no. Part of the thing, too, is I like to dance the music I like. And so then when I don't like the stuff, I don't want to dance to it. So if it's at a wedding, half the stuff that gets played, I just don't like. And so I don't really. But then I'm I'm always better like later in the evening and I DJ a couple weddings and I do work like this, too. The the longer the wedding goes, the better the music gets as it goes, because the younger people are there and they're dancing. The old people kind of leave. So then it's more fun to dance. And then coincidentally, when I'm at an attendee, I've also had a couple of drinks by then. So then it kind of. Yeah. Gets it, Have gets you it. ever taken dance classes or done any kind of like formal dance or anything like kind of that? One time. So before our wedding, my wife and I took a waltz, I guess, class. We went every week for two months so we could have our first dance be like, look like we know what we're doing. And then the minute the music started playing at our wedding, I just kind of like had a panic attack and just started just going like this. It just back and forth. Like I totally abandoned the lessons. And she's like, why did we even do that? I don't know. I well, was everyone was watching. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's really tough. I um, We were going to do that for my wedding and then we just didn't. And the great thing about being Greek is you dance around in circles and there are steps and they're relatively easy depending on the song. And there was a lot of Greek dancing at my wedding, but two glasses of champagne in and no one knows the steps and everyone's kicking each other, but it's still fun. It's great. Um, I just don't, I don't think I could ever be a dancer. I've actually considered taking classes to make me more confident, you know, at parties or weddings or whatever. And I just, I can't pull it off. That's okay. As long as you have rhythm, that's the thing. I mean, I don't, I don't. don't. Okay. Well, then then no amount of classes are going to help you. And I see my mom in those situations and how just horrible she is at dancing. And I think, God, that looks exactly like me. And I'm just, mom, sit down. (laughs) This isn't for us. That's funny. Uh, You know, dancing, I had a hard relationship with for a while because in seventh grade, my friend, who is now a professional hockey referee of all things, he was really into dancing. He convinced me that we could do for the talent show a dance, a dance routine, he and I, to the song Every Little Step by Bobby Brown, which is a song I still can't listen to. So we practiced for a month or so. We had about one minute of, you know, dancing moves, you know, the Roger Rabbit and the Running Man and all that stuff. We had it. We had one minute. But the problem is it's a four minute song. So the day before the talent show, the gym teacher or whatever who's in charge, we're having our run through. And he's like, oh, guys, we don't have time for your rehearsal. You're just going to have to wing it tomorrow. And I'm like, looking back, I realized well, I'll tell the story and I'll, I'll say what my epiphany was. So the day comes next day, talent show in front of the entire school in the cafeteria. We're introduced. We come out. Song starts playing. We dance for one minute. And, and before the song played, I said, well, what are we going to do when the when we're out of steps? And he's like, oh, we'll just freestyle. I'm like, freestyle? Okay. 
And he's very confident. He knows how to dance. I'm not. I, even the priest plan stuff I wasn't good at. And so we get to that point and he just starts dancing. And I just start, I just stand there. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And then eventually he looks over me, realizes I'm not dancing. And we walk off and the whole crowd just starts laughing at us and making fun of us because we bailed on our stupid song. And then my mom was there. And then we, she, it was the end of the day assembly. So she's walking me to the car and we're walking by the buses and people are like leaning out the window. Nice dancing. Oh, no. you suck. Oh, I just want to give you a hug. That's horrible. Yeah. Well, it sucked. And then I heard, yeah, I took shit for it for the next couple of years. And then eventually it went away, but it didn't help my overall unpopularity. That's for sure. Um, so then I realized though, as an adult later, half of this is the PE teacher's fault. Like when you don't rehearse the kids, you have no idea what their act's going to be. Like if he had rehearsed us, we would have seen we didn't have anything. He wouldn't let us embarrass ourselves. Yeah, and that's bullshit. You know, I'm a kid. I don't know. You know, so I don't know that that's my relationship to dancing. I've come around to it as an adult. Hey, at least you got out there. Kudos for that. That's one way to look at it. I would have never done that. Never, never, never. Yeah. Kidding? I would I rather just, died like a Napoleon Dynamite type moment. I would never be able to do it. But he was die. good at dancing. Yeah, that's true. He's he he memorized the steps and yeah, that was. I I I actually think you just either have it or you don't. And I think I'm physically incapable of like having rhythm and dancing well. Like if you're doing a stupid chicken dance or the hustle or something really self-deprecating like cheesy stuff that you'd yeah i could do that and it's fun and you're all laughing but to get out there and actually dance and feel the music no it's not for me welcome to film swap the podcast where we challenge each other to watch the movies that we've let slip through the cracks or purposely shoved into the cracks for whatever reasons i'm nick bowl and i'm angelica thornton and today we are talking about ex machina this building isn't a house it's a research facility and I want to talk to you about what I'm researching. You want to see something cool? You are dead center of the greatest scientific event in the history of man. Hello. Hi. Do you have a name? Ava. Answer me this. How do you feel about her? Her AI is beyond doubt. No, nothing analytical. Just how do you feel? I feel that she's amazing. Ex Machina is a 2014 science fiction film written and directed by Alex Garland in his directorial debut. There are four significant characters played by Domino Gleason, Alicia Vikander, Sonoya Mizuno, and Oscar Isaac. In the film, Domino Gleason's character, Caleb Smith, is invited by the CEO of his company, Oscar Isaac, to administer the Turing test to an intelligent humanoid robot, and then things get weird. It grossed $36 million worldwide on a $15 million budget. It is universally acclaimed as one of the best modern science fiction movies uh, made. It was nominated for two Academy Awards, including Best Visual Effects, and it has received numerous other accolades. I think this is one of my very favorite science fiction films of all time. It is eminently rewatchable. I've seen it probably four times now. Uh, Angelica, why had you not seen this movie? I'm not sure. I don't remember hearing about it. And as you know, I'm not a huge sci-fi person. My husband makes fun of me and says I have no imagination, but... 
or rhythm, as we've discovered. Yes, or rhythm. But this is what the second sci-fi movie that you've um, assigned me um, after Alien. Yeah, and I really loved it. I thought it was great. But you said you've watched it about four times. I need to watch it a couple more times. I feel like I'm unprepared to even talk about it. I watched it yesterday and I couldn't stop thinking about it as I was going to bed, trying to figure things out. Um, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Well, cool. You can ask me if you have questions as we talk about it too, because again, I feel like I've seen it enough times. But and yeah, you've already so done a wonderful on. job pronouncing all the names of the actors involved. Oh, thank you. I didn't. I wrote down some uh, some pronouncers. Phonetic so. pronunciation. Yeah, phonetic. Yeah, that's a T. Yeah, this is great, and I cannot believe this was the first film that he directed. Well, it the, yes, it is the first film he directed, but he is a very accomplished screenwriter and producer before yeah. this. He wrote Twenty Eight Days Later. Mm -hmm. 28 weeks later he wrote sunshine um he he's done a lot of really great sci-fi work over the years but yes this was and it is so visually striking you're right yeah and the way it's paced is so expert and i don't think though if he had come out of the gate as like a really a truly fresh filmmaker he could have pulled this off i i, I don't see how anybody could it's just so mature and restrained and intentional with everything maybe because he'd been thinking about it so long i saw that on wikipedia um, yeah, since like he was 12 or 13, he yeah, had this let, germ yeah, he of this was, idea. Exactly. He got into coding when he was a little kid and, and he thought his computer sometimes had a mind of its own. Um, and, you know, years of discussions with a friend who was an expert on neuroscience. So um, I think the seed was planted and it just, you know, he just kept working on it and working on it. And eventually he he struck the perfect tone in this film. It's so simple. Yeah, but... It, it, it is seemingly simple because ultimately, you know, the film is about artificial intelligence and whether you can program a machine to think and respond and be human. Right. So that's what's going on with Alicia Vikander's character, the, mm -hmm. the cyborg or the robot or whatever you want to call her, the android. But at the same time, what's also happening in the film is the interpersonal dynamics between Domino Gleason and um, uh, Oscar Isaac's character. Who is telling the truth? When? What do they want from each other? How are they playing each other? This it's a it's a game of cat and mouse the entire movie, and you never know until the very end what the other what each person was actually doing, and and it's fascinating to me just their interpersonal dynamics to watch how they subtly lie to each other or tell parts of the truth to each other to get what they want out of it. So what worked for me here was that it, it's a tiny cast just basically three people acting throughout the film, no room for error. And I think it was really clean. They nailed it. It was concise. It was uh, perfectly chilling. It was like a slow burn of intensity. I wasn't like anxious and on the edge of my seat and upset the whole time. It was just enough time for me to process what's going on. And it was perfect. Yeah. It, it really, to me, is like a whodunit almost. Um, you know, we've yeah. been watching a lot of uh, you know, classic whodunits lately. Glass Onion came out, and that sort of made us, me and my wife, get kind of back into those. And that's exactly what this is. You're just trying to, trying to figure out what's really going on. Yeah. And and Donald Gleason's his character's trying to figure out. He's being a little detective here, trying to figure out what's really going on. And of course, he discovers the truth too late. Um, I'm glad I had a pause button because I did stop a couple times. Um, just to think about what had just happened. And maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I should let the movie play out in real time and then watch it again a second time if I need to figure things out. I mean, like if I were in the theater, 
I feel like a couple of times I would have been lost because I would have been thinking about what happened in the last scene and not paying attention. So that's where pause comes in. But I'm like, I wonder if you lose something when you pause it or rewind a little bit and rewatch something. Yeah, maybe. It, it's kind of a hard question. I, I think maybe the pausing and the rewinding might be for the second view if you need it yeah. at that point. It, as smart as I like to think that I am, um, you know, but like there are so many movies I watch where I'm not sure how I feel about them until I see them the second time and I'm able to really build on the knowledge I got from mm -hmm. the first viewing. And I think this is definitely one of those. It's it's a it brings up a lot of interesting questions as well. Like because again, to me, there's two real thing things going on here. There's the AI, the ethics of the AI, the feasibility of the AI, and then there's also the human manipulation happening. And so the AI part to me was simpler to wrap my head around because she's either, you know, human quote unquote or not you know what i mean she can either do it or she can't to me the the more vexing problem is is the stories they tell to each other to try to get what they want if that makes sense yeah um caleb was an interesting character he's he's obviously a smart person um but he was targeted and chosen because of his life because his parents are not there anymore because <laughs> Because he doesn't have a significant other, he's probably, I mean, I think we can um, assume that he's probably a, kind of a lonely guy, doesn't have a lot of people in his life except for his coworkers. So like no one's going to know he's missing. I don't know. Um, but I felt like there were a couple things that he did that were just, he's too smart a guy to be doing this. To be trying to help her escape? Yeah. I don't know if he is though, because I I think he believes that she is. Does a real he believe person. that she she has feelings for him and that that's actually going to come to fruition? Well, I don't know if that's it though. I don't know if she if he believes she loves him or whatever. I or think he, he believes that she as she has enough uh, autonomy as a being to deserve freedom. She shouldn't be destroyed. Well, yeah, but maybe you yeah. know, but he feels empathy for her. Yeah, exactly, right. because she right. is alive, quote unquote to him so i don't know if he believes she's in love or not but also i think how how true is it that we always make decisions based on emotion rather than logic especially when you're someone like him who is lonely yeah you know having somebody and, and it doesn't have to be a, an android it can be a crappy partner you know what i mean you you make decisions that you can rationalize or justify because it makes you feel connected to someone else and, and that that rings true to me what would you have done? You're Caleb at the beginning of the film and you get there and it's pretty exciting and it's just like cool place in the middle of nowhere. Um, and you're asked to sign that non-disclosure. Would you have done it? Sure. Yeah, it's part of the job. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you're oh. you're given this opportunity to do something amazing. And then what's the alternative? You get back on the plane the next day and go home? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so I I think it's believable. I mean- I think Domino Gleason's a handsome guy. I think if he had been an ugly, an uglier guy, uh, the question of whether or not he would do this, it sounds bad, but would be less there, I guess, because, right. you know, he, he seems like somebody with a, with a nice smile, who's got a nice personality, doesn't seem like he'd be lonely. It would almost be more effective if he was kind of a crappier person. Yeah. And she was a hot robot. I mean... <laughs> Let's face it. Who was built he to made, look like his porn searches, right? Exactly. As we he made hot robots. Um, I think what didn't work for me is the role that women played in the film. It was a little bit cliche. It's a little cliche. 
the gender relations between Nathan and all of the, what are we calling them? Androids, I guess. Let's get androids. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and also he's supposed to be this brilliant mind, like a child prodigy, right? Mm-hmm. He seemed a little bit too much of a bro, like an MMA, like Joe Rogan, super fan kind of dude. Um, and he sh- probably should be more nerdy, but maybe that's his insecurity. Now he's a rich guy who owns this company that's supposed to be what, like Facebook or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so um, he can be a narcissistic asshole. Now. He can do whatever yeah, he wants. But I think you're underestimating what tech bro dudes and yeah. the Valley can really be like. I mean, there are a lot of guys like that who are smart, but are also extremely arrogant and who, you know, do what they want. I, I don't, I didn't have really a problem with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he was very smart. He was very manipulative, you know, a little bit sociopathic, obviously. And, and mm-hmm. the gender relations didn't actually bother me other than, well, obviously this movie's, you know, the male gaze, right? We see a lot of naked women in this movie. Mm-hmm. The women exist to serve the men, but isn't that what that character is? He's a misogynist. You know, there's a reason he's only making beautiful women as his androids. He's not making men or unattractive women i mean that's that's who the the character is so that's who he makes and i'm not saying that's right but that's it it rings true to me to that character i guess yeah he is he's like a finance bro you're right i'm not as familiar with the tech bro crowd (laughs) yes i mean think of like elon musk for example like yeah it's the same sort of bravado and you know I don't think Elon Musk is as smart as this Nathan character is, or I don't think Elon Musk that smart, period. But I think that you, you see what I'm saying. God, I didn't even think about that during the film. Now I'm putting Elon Musk in his position, and I'm like, yep, that would be super creepy. Um, I did find it a little confusing at times, but obviously that you know that's part of the film, and I need to watch it again. I, I feel like I need to go back and like – Caleb seems to be a very calculated and calm person, like a smart person. Like, you know, he ends up deceiving Nathan despite what's happening around him. So he's sort of in control. Like I would be freaking out in that situation. Mm-hmm. Why did he suddenly think he was an android and cut his wrist open and freak out? Did he just have like a little me- mental breakdown or was that was that a way to tell us he's not an android in case that had we had been thinking that through the film yes to both i mean i I think he has a freak out because it gets to that question of what is how do you know that you're real you know how do you know what is real life versus you know artificially created and i do think you're absolutely right as a viewer it cuts off that possibility because you know in in any movie like this you as the viewer are like i bet this are questioning everything yeah Yeah, you're like i think i know what's going to happen and then sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't and they're just saying this is not what you think it is because that would be a pretty easy little twist that would not be very clever but you've seen movies where they do that sort of thing right yeah, I mean, every time that the power surge happened, I I was sitting there going back and forth. Okay, yeah, Nathan knows about this. This is a setup. Da da da. And then I'd go back and say, No, he doesn't. Ava's doing this. Da da da. Then I thought, Okay, uh, Nathan is too smart um, to have the kind of security system in place that we all have at work, where we just have a badge in front of the door. Like certainly, he'd have like some kind of biometric system in place. But then I'm like, well, maybe that's intentional. Maybe he wants him to take his card. I don't know. I just kept questioning everything, including my intelligence as I was watching it. 
Yeah, but I mean, that's what this movie's for. It's exactly. right. It's, it's to make you question what's going on and to throw you off. And that's why the Who Done It to me, it really is a good, you know, descriptor because it's just like a Who Done It. There's all these dead ends and all these little avenues you think are maybe going to turn into something. Some of them do, and then it has that. To me, one of my favorite twists is right at the end there when after, uh, Caleb describes his plan to get him drunk and turn off the the power or actually he discovers the plan because Caleb tells to find out and it seems like all is lost to find out that he did it the night before is just such a great little gut punch twist yeah I, I did didn't, not see I didn't coming. see that coming either I was just gonna ask you did you predict most of the twists that threw me off I didn't predict the twists at all no no I didn't because I feel like there's so many places the film can go and I think there's lots of hints at different things to throw you off. And I think it was really brilliant in that way. Did you predict anything? Did you know Kyoko was an Android? Yeah. I thought that was pretty clear just because. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I knew something was up. Uh, I wasn't sure if she was an Android or there was some kind of like plot with Nathan and something bad was going to happen. I knew something was off, but um, I was surprised when, you know, obviously he opened all the doors and you had seen all of the androids that had come before Ava. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's, he saw too much too quickly. And that's probably why he freaked out and slid his wrist open and just kind of had a little bit. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Because he saw, like you said, he saw all those sort of bodies and, yeah. um, and it is interesting that the scenes in there where the, the previous iterations are trying to get out. Why are you keeping me here? Showing essentially that they are alive. You know, yeah. um, I thought that was really fascinating. And he's um, trying to break them, I guess, of that. I don't know. Yeah, I could talk about this ending forever. Um, I think Caleb is kind of a dipshit for actually sabotaging the security. I mm -hmm. keep thinking this. Maybe I'll change my mind if I watch it a second time. I don't care how much of a narcissist Nathan is, like, whatever. You can't choose the AI that you have a crush on over the human here. I just, I just can't imagine that. Um, he's too smart for that. I don't think he's lonely enough to make that decision. I don't know. I, we don't, I just, we don't know though, because we, again, we don't get a lot of his backstory other than that. His parents are dead and he's from Portland other than those true. two things, you know, um, I, I don't know. I just think people don't always act rationally. I think that's what it boils down to. I mean, you're a pretty logical person, but not everyone is. Yeah. As soon as he said, you know, uh, I changed the security while you were still passed out. And, da -da -da -da. and of course, Nathan freaks out and he goes out into the hallway and he confronts Ava and gets stabbed by both of them. The whole time I'm like, no, Caleb, what have you done? I knew it was going to be horrible. And I knew it was going to, he was going to end up screwed. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder how long he ends up sitting there. If he, somebody ever comes and rescues him at some point, somebody has to probably. Yeah. Does anyone notice he's gone? Surely Blue Book comes looking for Nathan, right? I mean, maybe he's with the boss. The boss is, you know, they don't need to. He, the boss doesn't need to excuse him if he's with the boss, right? No, no. Someone's looking for the boss is what I'm saying. But he lives out. He's isolated. He He's eccentric. How long do you go? How long do you go before you send some out a month? He's starved to death by then, right? Yeah. I mean, so so by then he will be dead. And he's what he's trapped in. I couldn't figure it out. He's trapped in like the bedroom area of the house where he can't get out. So, and it's, you know, there's no way to break out of that. 
he's not in any kind of area where he can eat or do anything. And he's just that scene where he's just banging on the window, crying, desperate for Ava to come back and get him. And I was like, oh, that's so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great way. And then when she walks out to the helicopter and then the next shot is her in a city just walking around. That was great. And so do we want to see a movie about Ava out in society blending in? I do. Yeah, sure. That would be a great sequel. I, I, how long can she go? Like, where does she and, and what does she do? Does she wander around just kind of blending in curious or is she evil? Like, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. And well, another thing, too, is that her physically, she is not built to withstand that much. Like you see the skin peels right off. How, yeah, what is that? Yeah. What happens when she's outside? She has no place to stay. What happens? Is she homeless? Does she live in the streets? And then how long does that skin stay good? And how long does her battery last? Or how does she charge? I mean, things like I guess maybe I'm into the logistics rather than the practical <laughs> questions, but like, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, I actually tried to do a search to see if Alex Garland would ever want to, you know, continue the story. I couldn't find anything. He probably, probably won't because uh, this is so good. Um, but I would love that story. I want more Ava. I want to know what she does after this. Yeah, probably starts like a pop group. I well, mean, what what do you think about what do you think about the questions that this movie raises about AI? I mean, you know, it's we're all going to be replaced. We're going to be replaced by a species uh, as a species eventually. What did you think when they were having those conversations? Well, it's it's so hard because we've seen so much science fiction about that exact topic and, you know, your Terminators and yeah. uh, the Matrix and so forth. I, I don't know if it's inevitable. I mean, I don't I don't know that it is inevitable that we will be replaced yeah. by robots. I mean, that's a pretty big hurdle to clear. I mean, as much as much progress as they've made just in our lifetimes on it, you know. I don't know if we'll ever be replaced. And 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 that even does because there's two things at play here too with in, in, with this movie, right? It's not just the logic structures and the personality, excuse me, of the android or whatever. There's also the physical representation of the human being. Yeah. And we're probably farther along on the on the mental part than we are on the physical part because robots as they exist now do not move normally. The the facial stuff is bad. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't I just don't know if it ever will happen. And as far as the ethics of it, I think obviously you shouldn't make sentient beings. I, I think we can agree <laughs> on that. Exactly. I don't think it's going to happen either. But he's talking about, you know, the 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 whole title of the film. Right. Um, it's from the Latin phrase, what deus ex machina, mm -hmm. God from the machine. In this case, it's, you know, the machine without God. Um and, you know, Nathan obviously has all these ideas about the future and um, it just gets you thinking about technology. And I mean, technology is such a big part of our life right now. And AI is sort of creeping in. It's like, can we ever go back? Go back? No, but I think that we can rein it in and and yeah, make it rein work it in. for us and use it in smart ways rather than. And that's one of the problems, too, with these the tech type dudes is like it's that old question like yes you can make it but should you you know yes you can do it this way but should you and i have a feeling it'll be like any other technology where perhaps it swings too far at some point but then swings back to sort of a yeah. mean where it's practical and useful and not egregious or too far when he's talking about um different phone carriers like 
illegally hacking in and and capturing, you know, facial expressions and all of that, you know, for his research. Mm -hmm. That's like, okay, yeah, that's that's happening. Everything sure. on it. I mean, and that's sad that that's our reaction. That's that's not a shocking statement at all. We're just kind of expected at this point. All of our information out is out there. We have no privacy. So I'm watching this thinking this really freaking sucks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it's like uh, when I talk about something that I've never looked up on my phone, I have never done anything. I talk about, you know, rump roast or whatever. And then I get an ad for a rump roast because it's listening. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Then that's again, that pendulum to me, that's too far. And so, yeah. but maybe that's where the government actually has to get involved and regulate yeah. something again. You know, the fact that some of the ideas in this film are not far-fetched is, is I guess what's scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's like, you know, the extreme versus the reality and the extreme illustrates the problems with what the reality of our present life is. Yeah, for sure. Um. It's a heavy movie, but I think it's also a fun movie in a lot of ways, too. I mean, we're talking about these very heavy, serious themes, but there's a lot of fun in this movie, too. Uh, just kind of the way their conversation really, like, crackles. It, 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 in some ways, it, it almost feels at times like a play because it's just really great, interesting conversations happening. Uh, I absolutely love – and went, at the beginning of the show, we talked about dancing because in the middle of this movie, <laughs> there is this absolutely bizarre dance routine that uh, – that uh, Oscar Isaac's character um, Nathan has with uh, Kyoko. It just is totally bizarre. And you've seen gifts of it probably on the internet or. Yeah, it's, it's, it totally works though. It was awesome. And it's about a guy who's so far up his own ass out in the middle of the wilderness. Like this doesn't seem weird. This is the human connection that he's created because he yeah. needs it as a human being. Yeah. And he's got this dance routine and it's, they're good dancers. We were talking about they're good dancers. They should yeah. do dance routines like this. Yeah. I thought this was really fun to watch. The visual effects were incredible. Obviously, they had to do a lot of special effects, right, with the androids. I don't know how they did that, but it was great. Um, and it just kind of proves that you can you can achieve so much with simplicity. I know this was a relatively low budget. We've got four people um, doing most of the acting in one place. Right. They shot it all in this one place. It was awesome to watch. Visually stunning. And on, yeah. like you said, on a microscopic buzz budget. Yeah. Um, and I think the effects weren't that complex, really. I think, you know, they had costumes, but they had, you know, green patches and it was just simple green. I don't think it was that. Yeah. That's yeah. again, like you said, the simplicity of it. They didn't need to. Well, go you know me. It takes me 20 minutes to set up the audio on a Zoom. So to me, it's complicated. How long did you have to wait for me today? quite a long time. Eh, you know. Um, I would recommend this movie. I thought it was a great pick, Nick. It's especially great because I never consider myself a sci-fi fan and I thought this was fantastic. I want to watch it again. It does make me want to watch more sci-fi films. I love Gattaca, you know, that's, this is that kind of a movie. So more, more of this. I love it. Well, that's because there's two different kinds of sci-fi, right? I mean, there's true like intellectual sci-fi like this, and then there's more like you know, shooting aliens. Kind right. Of and and I appreciate that this movie didn't have a lot of like big action scenes and stuff like that. It was uh, it was different. It was great. And even the violence that we see at the end is pretty subdued. I mean, one thing I've noticed on this movie is how easily the knife goes into the body, just like with no resistance, just 
Yeah, it was weird. The, 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 the final stab that killed him. I was like, man, he's soft for a guy who works out a lot. <laughs> well, you go right in between the ribs. Just seriously. I wish I was Those that good. Androids know how to murder. <laughs> yeah, they're strong. They know where the ribs are. Mm. One thing I'm going to do when I build my own Android is, is not build a murder function. I think that's really a good place to start. Just turn that part off. You know what I mean? Maybe make and replace the murder function with makes a really good omelet. Yeah. Ah, oh, God, I can't. I wish I could jump into Nathan's brain as he was bleeding out in the hallway. All mm -hmm. of that work. And this is how he ends up. Yeah. Hubris. Man done in by his own hubris. Yeah. Um, okay. So I recommend this. You can watch uh, Ex Machina on HBO Max. Is that how you watched it too? I watched it on my own server, but yes, I believe it's there. Okay. Um, um, and, and while you're at it, if you're watching Alex Garland films, I would really recommend you watch Annihilation, another really smart movie based on a great series of books by Jeff Vandermeer. It's about, uh, well, it's about a lot of things, but it's about an area in Florida that gets sort of taken over by a weird entity and a group of women who go in to investigate it. And I'll leave it at that. It's really great. I really recommend you watch it. Now, his most recent movie was an absolute turd, and I cannot believe, like, I get what he went for, but it's just excruciating to watch. But in a way, I actually recommend watching it, too. It's called Men. Men. It came out last year. Um, so if, if you like this movie, watch those other movies, and you may not like Men, but it is very interesting. And uh, I called it a turd. It's not a turd. It's just very difficult to watch movie. Um, or Sunshine, or like he's just done so much. I just can't recommend his films enough. Okay, I'll check them out. Uh, if anything, this movie, Ex Machina, is good because it's a super cool house, there's hot robots, and it's thought-provoking, so you can't lose. Yeah, hot robots. You had me there. What are oh, we, we going to we we watch next week? Yeah. Well, so, well, next week, we've got something special. Yeah, next week, we're having our first guest the one and only, the legend, the broadcast legend, Carl Click, who we both worked with on uh, the morning news at K2. He's going to come on and we're going to talk about Nightcrawler. Carl and I have not seen Nightcrawler and you have and you love this film. Yeah, it's, it's a really great movie. It's pretty insightful about television news. It's very wildly exaggerated. Of course, it's a film. It's not real life. But I think it says a lot of really interesting things about the state of television news and it features an absolutely bravura eh, performance by Jake Gyllenhaal. And uh, I think it's just really fascinating, tense. Turn all the lights off when you watch it. And Carl's a perfect guest because he likes to talk. He especially likes to talk about broadcast news. He does. And he had, you know, he's in the Silver Circle, the Hall of Fame, the Northwest yeah. Broadcasters Hall of Fame for a reason. Yeah, and, 30 uh, plus years in TV news. So he's going to have some good stories, I think. Yeah, it'll be fun. Make sure you listen. Film Swap is produced and hosted by Angelica Thornton and Nick Bull. You can watch or listen on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow Angelica on Twitter at AngelicaKATU and follow Nick at Nick Vole. Share your thoughts on the films we discussed there and we might just read them on the show. Music by John Michael Farley and Nick Vole.